Welcome, you're listening to Sex, Love, Joy, an interview series hosted by me, Anayan Bjorkwist, in which special guests reveal intimate details about how they connect the dots between sex, love, joy, while actively pursuing their dreams. On today's show, I have with me journalist, podcaster, and adult web model, Najela Ray, also known as Blasian Bitch. If frank talk about sexuality makes you feel a little, uh, this episode of Sex, Love, Joy is probably not for you. Najela shares about a lot of her experiences, both as an adult web model and about some of her personal experiences, like the one time that she was attacked by a bird during sex and another time that a guy had a heart attack while they were having sex. We also talk about the politics of showing your tits on the internet and policing female bodies and the strange laws around porn and much, much more. Enjoy. Hi, Najela. Thank you for being on Sex, Love, Joy. Hi, I'm so excited to be on. I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> I would love to talk to you about something that I found on your About Me page. You said on there that you think that it's important for women to look at people in the adult industry differently. Can yes. you dive into that? Well, I find a lot of the time that there's this adversarial approach that some women who have no experience or have never really talk to somebody who's been in the adult industry on a personal level, they kind of see us as the problem. Mm. Like if it wasn't for us sluts, men would respect all women. (laughs) (laughs) And it it goes kind of double, especially for women of color. Yeah. Because, you know, we're at the intersection of sexism and racism and you have these two groups of people that are saying, Oh, well, if you weren't doing X, Y, and Z, then people would look at women of our race or our ethnicity more positively. But it's really, I kind of feel that puts the onus on sex workers, especially sex workers that are women of color to uh, take responsibility for racism. And that's really not our place. But I also want people, uh, I really feel like if more women could look at sex workers like people and treat us like people and not like the enemy, then the stigma that makes it so easy for there to be so much violence against sex workers, so much crime against sex workers and uh, so much discrimination against former and current sex workers. So that's why I think it's very important for people to look at everyone who's in the adult industry, not just performers, you know, the people who write code, just anybody connected in the industry to kind of examine how they've accepted the stigma against us. But uh, I I do feel like uh, there's the performance aspect Mm -hmm. of of sex work. And because there's that performance of it, people feel like they could immediately judge where that performance comes from instead of, People kind of make the assumption that because you're doing performative sex work, like I was a dancer and I've done like cam modeling, which is something that's very visual. People say things like, oh, it's because I have low self-esteem and I need these people to make me feel better about my body. Or people think that, you know, I'm 
I need to, I can only get off if somebody's watching me because my dad never hugged me. Like people have all these crazy assumptions. And uh, I think when it comes to women of color, um, you know, I've been called a Negro bed wench. Oh my God. That's the crazy oh. term that's like thrown at people on Twitter left and right. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, the white man's whore. Oh. I find like hotep black Twitter guys will call me a, a Negro bed wench because I'm using my sexuality and my feminine wiles to seduce massa. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I find uh, the Asian guys online will call me uh, a, a CCB, which is a cracker crazy bitch or the white man's whore, which is weird because I've I, never heard the cracker crazy bitch one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. It's like something that I think, um, like angry internet commenters and a lot of the, I think probably from like the mid 2000s to the early aughts, they were like, uh, there were all these like websites that would pop up. They're supposed to be about interracial dating, but it was very like specific. It would be like Asian guys who wanted white women but then like other people would join the sites they'd be very angry so uh they were like mad at asian women or any woman of color really that was into interracial dating not on their terms so they would t- coin these really angry terms and that was one of them and i guess it's still like floating in the ether of the internet uh, yeah people people they need hugs <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people do need hugs. Can you tell the listeners more about your experience as a sex worker, as a black Asian woman? Uh, well, it's been very weird because um, obviously I I don't think people look at me and say Asian. So uh, people expect that in the sex industry that everything is like niche is king. So if you don't fit mm. into a niche, then you're kind of useless. And I think I was somebody who I don't really want to fit into a niche. Like, I probably would not do well if I marketed myself as an urban ebony BBW. <laughs> because I sound like this. <laughs> uh, I feel I, you on sounding like that. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of, like, phone... Um, phone sex, domination, and that sort of thing. And there have been times where guys called and were like, why are you impersonating a black woman? That's offensive to call (laughs) this white girl. And I'm like, "Um, well, I am black. So this is awkward. (laughs) If you're not happy with the service, I will just make a note and you'll get your money back. Sorry. Bye. And that's crazy because like in everything, I think that's like an internet thing too, where it's like, you have to fit in a niche. And some of us just don't because we have these varied backgrounds of we're a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then our interests might not necessarily be what they're quote unquote should be because that's not what is in our community. So I think it's, it's just strange being you know, defining yourself. And that's what I think you really stand for. I kind of buck against the idea of the niche because I don't like a lot of the times when I, like when I was talking about before where people say, Oh, um, well, I, I know black and Asian. I'm not, I don't really want to talk about any communities that I'm not a part of, but, um, 
they say a lot of things like Asian women and when sex workers are advertising their services, they're drawing on Asian stereotypes and that's making it more dangerous Mm -hmm. for other Asian women to exist in our world. So I kind of buck against when people want Asian women to be just one thing that's designed to be a, a racist fantasy. Yeah. So I'd much rather have, you know, performers like London Keys, who, you know, she's very comfortable working as an urban model, very comfortable, you know, just being herself. And doesn't really do the, I am a shy Asian flower shtick. Like, she's just not about (laughs) that. And I really appreciate when performers do that. And I appreciate uh, that the market is changing to accommodate that. Because I don't think 20 years ago that would have flown. No, it wouldn't have. I think that the internet is definitely changing that. You get to, we get to have our own platforms when we want them. And that really helps to redefine things. I want to ask you a question about something. Um, You put on your site that at one point you were a bored college girl that was a dancer and you had a little tidbit about about Adult Friend Finder. Oh, my God. My adventures in Adult Friend Finder. (laughs) And I have had some adventures of my own. I think for me, a lot of people don't know this, but that was like the opening of Pandora's box that led me to who I am. (laughs) I I mean, I'm not going to... I always make the joke that it's a quality website full of quality people and I'm not going to pretend like it's full of the best individuals, but it was a place where I got to talk openly about sex and talk to people that were in different lifestyles. That's where I learned about BDSM and how to, you know, uh, I, I didn't know what a switch was before adult friend finder. I didn't know that that was an option. So I always would feel kind of unfulfilled because, you know, I have both of those tendencies. So tell me more or like anything that you want to share about your adventures. I actually <laughs> made a group on Adult Fan Finder <laughs> because I noticed there was, um, there was like Latin lover groups. Yeah. Groups for, you know, obviously there's going to be 50, 11 billion big black cock groups. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Even though I was very disappointed because I joined one for like a week. And I looked at all the guys' pictures. I'm like, um, it says big black cock. <laughs> Not average black cock. Big but, who? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, yeah, it's subjective. But uh, I, I made a, um, and what, like, uh, circle, a fucking what Asian fan. Oh, gosh. I joined the group probably in like 2005. Oh, wow. So you had me beat by a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. So, but then like I... I forgot about it for a couple years and then like like when I was a, a freshman who I didn't know what to do with myself I joined and in that college? was in like yeah in like 2005 and then when I was ready to graduate like maybe t- well not ready to graduate but like my last couple of semesters probably in 2008 like the the tail end of that is when I went back and had some more adventures but uh is that when you <laughs> made the group Yes, I made the, um, I think it was called um, Fucking Asian Men or something like that, because there wasn't any other groups. There's no groups where people wanted to have sex with Asian men, and I felt really bad. Cause they were like, <laughs> I was like, everybody else has a group. So I was like, I'm going to make a group of my own. And then, like, I never <laughs> I never went back. I never really posted that much. But there were, like, people joined the group, and I kind of check in 
but I, I don't think I've checked in in several years, so it probably doesn't exist anymore. What was either your most interesting adventure or like one friend that you made there that might still be a real life friend? Because I still have real life friends from a uh, friend finder. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I actually met um, somebody I call my not boyfriend. Oh. And we've been not boyfriend and girlfriend since I joined the site. Not since I joined the site. So I went back to the site in like 2008. We've been not boyfriend and girlfriend. That's a long time to share adventures. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I have, I'm smiling because I just, I think that those sites, a lot of people are so afraid of sites like Adult Friend Finder or even the swingers websites and they just stay away from them. And I think that when you're curious, why not join just to see what's yeah. there? I, I think there's definitely a good protocol. Like I don't really trust people that have like their face and like their kids and their face. I think that's kind of weird. But um, <laughs> I don't think I traveled to that side of adults. <laughs> no, because they're just people who took like any picture, like their like their MySpace picture, and they just slapped it on there. And I'm like, this is not the site to show your face. <laughs> like I edited out my face because <laughs> I mean they're looking for the tits anyway. They want the tits. They want to see your ass. So I could do that. <laughs> but I'm not gonna put my face on up front finder, especially. I'm about to graduate college. I'm trying to. I'm about get to go make sure I deleted my profile right after we finish recording this. <laughs> <laughs> I think my profile. I'm pretty sure my profile's still up, but. <laughs> That's so awesome. I just that was a random thing that I wanted to ask you about because I know that for me, like I said, it was like how I opened Pandora's box. And I had something stupid on my, it was, I was so sex negative that I put on my profile. I didn't want anyone that had an uncircumcised penis to even message me. I think I was always like really, I was always like very experimental. Like, um, a lot of my friends used to be really anti uncircumcised penises, but <laughs> I, I was very international with my trust on adult friend finder. Because I was like, hey, if you live in another country, you're going to go far away. I'm going to deal with you again. So I was all about the international peen. <laughs> and most international penises are not circumcised. <laughs> so uh, I got very used to it. Um, I, I think my first encounter with an uncircumcised penis, um, I was a little like too into it. So I was like, I was like, it looks like a baby bird. I was like making it sing. <laughs> I don't think he was too into that. But, but I was like, I've just never seen this before. <laughs> You're like, can I test it out? What does it do? Yeah. <laughs> I love how this conversation is crazy. So yeah. since we're totally off topic, on your last podcast, you said, will you stop putting chocolate in your cunt already? Well, yes. Please, please talk about that because I'm so sick of that. That's okay. been a thing since I think Candy Burris said it on The Real Housewives four or five years ago. She's talking about putting sugar in her vagina and people will not stop. Yeah, sugar doesn't go in your vagina. It's, <laughs> it's so much bacteria. It's, you're just, it's a breeding ground for bacteria. It's dark, it's very warm, and it already has its own good and bad uh, bacteria all up in there. We actually started talking about bacteria because this one scientist made um, yogurt out of a culture. Oh, she yeah. I, I saw that. Yeah. So we're, I was talking about the various things that should not go in your vagina, like champagne, any kind of alcohol, really, um, any harsh soaps. 
a lot of people tell me that they like the Victoria's Secret scented body wash, which are fabulous, but don't wash your vag mm-hmm. with them because you work with an infection. Anything that has super fragrance. Yeah. <laughs> just people have to take really good care of that whole ecosystem because it's so easy to get it thrown off balance, especially because we all are wearing Spanx. We're all wearing, you know, tights now and skinny jeans that are already not great for our pH balance down there. And if you're in a long-term relationship, a lot of us are taking shots up the badge. So that's messing up your pH balance until you get used to it. (laughs) There's just so many things that can make you feel not so great. So for me, I just say, one of the easiest things to avoid is putting sugar, fruits, alcohols, any crazy stuff like that. Um, be what like read the label of your lubricants. Yes, because not uh, a lot of the body butters are meant for like to be topical, but not to be lubricants. Yeah. So you might have edible body chocolate, but it's meant to paint on your partner. Put it on their nipples, nipples. or whatever. Not. Don't put it in his dick hole. Don't put it in his <laughs> Just these are not places that are conducive to uh, sugary treats. <laughs> do you have yeah. a favorite lube? I do. It's um, nature loving lube. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you about your favorite toy because I know that you have a whole site for toys. Do you I... have any favorite toys that you can uh-huh. recommend? You know, there's always the magic wand. It's always pretty close to me. It's like right over here. Uh, I don't want to bet and get it. But, uh, oh, wait, no, it's right here. <laughs> it was behind my... <laughs> Within arm's reach. Yeah, it, it's, it actually was called the Hitachi wand for a really long time, but they're going through some rebranding because Hitachi makes a whole bunch of stuff in Japan. I guess they don't want to be known for the, you know, yeah, and, it, and people used to call it the Hitachi. Like, that's what I knew it as, just as the Hitachi. Yeah, I still call it that, but they're, it's the magic wand now. And I hear that they're making a wireless one. Yeah, I'm, I heard that, too. I am I really want to get my hands on that because Lilo made one that was wireless, and I wasn't really thrilled with it. Why weren't I mean, you it, thrilled with it? Because I've heard it didn't have enough power. That's what I heard. Um, It wasn't just that it didn't have enough power, but it kept on accidentally turning off. Oh. <laughs> That's probably worse than not having enough power. Yeah. So I, I, I always, when I do toy reviews, I always review them as um, h- how it's designed for you doing it on yourself, mm-hmm. couple play, and what it looks like on cam and how it feels on cam. And I always realize that a lot of toys seem to be made to be used with partners, which is fine, but they don't really label it like that. So... I found that that was a toy that if somebody is using it on you, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna be able to see where their hand is and it's not gonna accidentally turn off. But you know, if you're laying down, you can't see where that little sensor bar is. And I was constantly like flicking it. So, bleh. I'm one of these people. It's like super quiet in the bedroom, and I just vibrators always made too much noise I lose my concentration so I love like glass toys and you know yeah. jade eggs and things like that so I'm always curious to know what oh do my God, people... jade eggs okay go Actually, there okay. <laughs> I went to the, uh, I think it was the museum of natural history or something when I was very little and I saw a jade egg 
and I really wanted it, but I didn't have enough money. So I figured for my mother's birthday, I will get her this jade egg because I thought it was decorative. I never knew what it was for. And when I was about uh, in like seventh grade, I bought my mom a jade egg and I made a pretty little thing, a little box to put it in. It is on display in their cabinet in my parents' house, like a little collectible. I had no idea what it was used for. <laughs> so my mom has a vaginal exerciser next to her various bell collections and very pretty gold leaf British teacups. I think that's what I love about like glass <laughs> toys and jade eggs and that whole genre of stuff because it looks like decoration, you know. Oh, my mom doesn't know what that is. I'm not sure. So I'm surprised. I would have stolen it back. <laughs> it was only six dollars. I could get another one. <laughs> Which is even crazy. It was only six dollars in the Promise Park Mall. There used to be this store that everything was made out of jade. So they were closing because it's a pretty hard sell that you only sell jade. And it was on sale for six dollars. And I got it from my mom and she just has it on display very proudly. And I'm just wondering how many people <laughs> she walked through the house and shown them her fine jade egg. And they're just like, huh. But yeah. So hopefully she will never find out that it's a vaginal exerciser. <laughs> Now, would you be surprised if mom knew and she, you know, was cleaning it between uses and putting it <laughs> I would be very surprised if my mom knew. Like, for I did not grow up in a very sex-positive household. I had a mom that thought masturbation is not good and you shouldn't do it ever. That's crazy. So, yeah. I still think my mom thinks I'm a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Little does she know. Is there, I wanted to know, is there an erotic fantasy that you're still craving to fulfill? Um, I wouldn't really call it erotic. It's probably really gross and base. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in order to gangbang uh, or a blowbang or something like that. Uh, so I wouldn't really put that in the erotic category. But, um, but if it's it's erotic to you, and that's you know we all have our different things that we are turned on by. Yeah. Well, when I think of erotic, I think of um like all this. I I, I guess I was cooking or uh, when I took a shower earlier, and all the steam is. And now on my window, I could see the impression of the last time that me and my not boyfriend went at it, and I thought, oh, that's so erotic. I could see like our hand imprints and my boob imprint on the glass. On the glass. Yeah, and it's frozen in there, and I just. I don't know. I think that's very erotic. Like, I, I hope that's it's fucking hot. It is, right? <laughs> like, I think that is more erotic than, like, thinking about getting pounded. Yeah. I mean, I like getting pounded. It's one of my favorite pastimes. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, when so I think of... So what's a blow bang, though? I, I have not a heard... A blow bang is a gang bang where you only use your mouth and your hand. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I was like, I was wondering if that was like, if you're receiving the oral or if you're giving yeah. it. It takes a lot of stamina to, like, do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm very picky with who I let form oral sex on me because um, bad oral sex makes me super cranky. And I just want to... I kind of put it in, not in the same category, but close to analingus. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of 
people uh, tugging my starfish. It's just not on my top <laughs> things I like. Mostly because the first time somebody tried to lick my butt, I was attacked by a bird. Wait, long- no, you cannot <laughs> say this. Um, <laughs> stop, we're stop. Okay. The story, so- please. <laughs> What had happened was, uh, uh, if you look at my site, I used to write a lot of erotica. I still do. I just don't really post it as much. And um, one guy who produced a movie, uh, I shouldn't go to details because I don't want this guy talking to me again. But uh, so this guy wanted to produce short films based on my erotica because he liked it or whatever. And we kind of had like a weird casting couch moment, but really it was, um, I was just really tired. I didn't want to take the bus and the train home back to New Jersey because he was in Brooklyn. And uh, he, that's all he wanted to do. Like that was just his thing. So um, he was back there going to town and I was kind of napping because I was like this. While he's eating the booty. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he just wasn't good at it or it's just not my thing. But I was just like, there's a tongue in my ass. That's that's happening. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to take him on that. Uh, unbeknownst to me, his roommate came home. And when she came home, she had this like giant parrot. or It was just a terrorizing giant bird. It was so large and angry. And um, when she opened her side of the apartment, we left the, the door to his side of the apartment open. So the bird flew in, and I guess because I the bird didn't know me, it landed right on my head and was not happy about my presence. So um, I kind of always think about getting attacked by a bird whenever somebody wants to lick my butt. <laughs> that is, I think that's one of the craziest sex <laughs> stories I've heard. I like, I don't think I have a lot of hot sex stories. I have a lot of like, um, like tragically comedic sex stories. <laughs> Uh, like the time a guy had a heart attack. Or, no. Yeah, he had a heart attack. Um, he didn't die, right, though? <laughs> no, he didn't die. It was a minor heart attack. It wasn't like a severe, super heart attack Um, because he had heart surgery and oh he didn't tell me, like, this is somebody I met on Adult Friend Finder. So you can <laughs> assume if you meet somebody on Adult Friend that Finder. That should be on your profile. I just had heart surgery. You would assume that they are fit to have sexual relations. This very fine young man decided not to tell me this. So we're getting hot and heavy. And he's like, oh, maybe we should stop. So I'm like, all right, you know, that's if you meet your limit, I'm not going to push. I mean, I'm going to sleep next to you and put my booty on you, but I'm going to say no because you don't want to. So that's what we I decided to do. And then he changed his mind. So I was like, well, OK. And um, he had like the whitest penis. It was just the biggest dick. Uh, it was just like trying to thread a needle with a great oak tree. It just wasn't oh happening. But he was like really excited. He's like, oh, my God, are you a virgin? He was like getting super excited about that. And I'm just like whatever dude and then he started like getting this awful look on his face and I'm like are you having an orgasm but clearly not an orgasm (laughs) and um he just like fell over so I had to like run out of his room try to find his address and mail call uh ambulance they came and got him and I spent the night in his hot in his room at the hospital because he had a freaking heart attack you gave a man a heart attack I did not give a heart attack He set himself up to have a heart attack because he knew he was not supposed to be getting any loving. And he specifically went on Adult Friend Finder, messaged me for like two weeks back and forth to arrange our meeting, met me, 
and then had a heart attack. So that is so insane. We're going to move over to, (laughs) (laughs) I have to recover from these two stories. I know that like censorship is not something that you're too fond of. So have you heard of what Google's doing to the sex blogs again over on Blogger? Yeah, I mean, I my site started on Blogger. That's where I got my start. And in 2010, I moved to a self-hosted WordPress site specifically because I was like, this isn't going to last. Yeah. Um, so when they said, oh, you can't monetize your blog, I told everybody that I know that still had blogger like you can't use this platform anymore they are telling you to leave so i'm really not surprised that google is burying sex blogs or um you know just getting rid of them deleting them because i mean i've seen my traffic dip dramatically since i started and i think that's why so many sex bloggers are just leaving because you know you can't really monetize anymore and a lot of sex bloggers were you know using toys but now that that market's kind of saturated yeah where but he's kind of doing the toy reviews, then, you know, that doesn't really bring in as much money as it used to. Like my site, I have vibrant-vibes.com, which was what I used to pay for my site, basically the hosting fees and all that jazz. And this is the first year that my toy sales didn't pay for the site. So yeah, and I, that's because, you know, my my ranking in Google is, is gone down so much. So it's just it, crazy to me, the, the emails that they're sending out, you know, if it's not educational and this, that and the other, and it's like, you're censoring sex, which is the most, you know, like you can't deny sex. Like we all, you know, most of us need it. And it's something that is never going to go away, even if they try to yeah. censor it. I mean, people have been making porn since we learned we could draw in caves. So <laughs> I, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's part of human nature for the most part. That is so insane to me, the, the sex negativity that still exists in the world. And it's discrimination, you yeah. know. I mean, right now, I'm, I'm in like a weird in and out phase of being a, a cam performer and you know I'm going for corporate jobs and freelance work and I always wonder like um are they going to run a background check on me and see that I I make x amount of money from you know stream mate are they going to look at that and say oh we can't hire her because she's a sex worker it's uh you know it's something everybody faces which is I don't know. sometimes I look at the sex workers that get a lot of, you know, press or a lot of attention. And it's usually very short lived. And it's usually when we put them on the pedestal of being like the gold star sex worker, um, they, they kind of come and go. It was the Duke porn star. And, and I, now there's, um, there's a, I think he's Chinese American and he's a law student at um, a university in California and he made his own site and everybody's kind of making a deal of it. But he has like four scenes. I'm like, "Mm." when he has, when he's been in the industry for a year and shooting steadily for a year, then I might get excited. But eh. it's, uh, it kind of seems like people decide who's the good sex worker and who we can listen to and then who we can't listen to. It gets, (laughs) there's awful a lot of politics involved in showing your tits on the internet. (laughs) And that's something that here in California, there's new laws popping up left and right. And, you know, in the UK, there's new laws about what you can and can't do. And it's, 
it's crazy. Uh, well, the, I mean, internationally, there's so many weird laws when it comes to pornography. Um, a lot of it is very, uh, it's all about policing female bodies and saying which orgasms we like and which orgasms we don't. In Australia, you can't have a movie with squirting because they think it's urine and that's banned. Uh, in Australia, again, if the models are, don't have big enough breasts, Wait. <laughs> my breasts are not that big. Wait, wait, what? You, you have, there's like a certain size breasts you need to yeah. be a porn yeah. star. Yeah. Because <laughs> if the woman is too flat chested, they basically say, Oh, well it's like kitty porn, but obviously a grown <laughs> woman with an A cup is going to look very different from a pubescent child oh my or God. even teen. <laughs> so it's almost like the people that write these laws are outing themselves or like what their fetish might truly be. So I have to ban it to not yeah. turn myself on. Yeah. Well, we're just talking about, um, I can't remember what state it was, but in the United States, there's a legislator that is banning fake nipples and pasties and yoga pants. They want, <laughs> they want to make them illegal. I, <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> Yoga pants. <laughs> I, I I don't know where we need to move to. <laughs> I think we need it, our own island of people where we walk around half naked most of the time and just enjoy the different sexual things we do. <laughs> I It would be nice, but I think even then they'd invade our island to tell us to put our clothes back on. So history has shown that they will find a way to tell us that our bodies are awful, awful, shameful bags of sin and you can't show them. I would love to know how you stay connected to pleasure in your personal life when pleasure is your business. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard um, for me. Uh, when I do phone sex, it's very, it, I look at it as I'm doing a role play. And since I'm into that anyway, that is kind of, a bonus. When I'm doing cam work, I don't want to fake it. I, I think I I like to have these one-on-one -on -one genuine erotic experiences with whoever is in my show. So that's so hard. I, well, I because I I don't feel like they'd want to pay for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even when I was dancing, it was you know I I'd had conversations. I think that was the experience that people valued even more than watching me jiggle myself, which I was a, quite a fine jiggler, but uh, <laughs> I always think there has to be like a little bit more, but with my personal life, a lot of times, um, you know, it's not unheard of for people to start disassociating from sexuality when they're sex workers or, you know, especially if they're pushing themselves and, you know, they might be a survival sex worker who m might not want to be full service or might not want to be contact. And they're doing those things and they start like disassociating from parts of their body because that's what clients touch or not wanting to touch people if they're, you know, massage workers and they don't really want to be. So it can be very difficult. I mean, I think I'm pretty lucky in, you know, I entered sex work because, uh, you know, it was just something I had a compulsion to do. 
So it always felt like an extension of just my innate sexuality. But there have been times where, you know, uh, I, I won't really be totally in the mood and I'll have less sex in my personal life to be able to perform because I'm not, if you're not super into it and you've already just had sex, it makes it a lot harder to like work it up yeah. to a, a cam customer or something. Um, I mean, right so now, this, so you're saying sometimes you save it for work and sometimes you save it for self. Yes. And I, I definitely think since I've become so much busier, you know, I, I do the two podcasts of TWIB. I freelance for marketing. I'm writing news for TWIB. I'm researching things. So I, I'm always kind of going back and forth. And I think the energy that I used to use and reserve for, uh, you know, getting laid, I <laughs> kind of use that for other things now. <laughs> so a lot of people don't realize that your erotic energy is your creative energy and they kind of yeah. are interchangeable sometimes and they fuel each other and they are one another's fuel. So that's, that's, I love that you spoke on that. Yeah. I mean, and also when you're dealing with stress, um, cause I've been in a, a weird kind of part of my life that I'm not used to, you know, I kind of grew up very, um, you know, my dad is an engineer. My mom was a nurse's aide. So we lived a pretty comfortable life. And then I went to college. And after college, I went, I was in college. I was dancing. So while it was stressful, I always had a roof on my head. But, you know, now that there's parts of my life where I'm trying to take care of sick family members or I've been sick and I have this new stress, there's never been that, like, real survival peril and now that I do have that I find it is a lot harder to even think about sex because <laughs> when you're it, it's it's a, a crazy feeling because you you don't you're not really feeling about sex but you have to be erotic and have to be in the moment to pay your rent and you're so stressed out that you're totally not in the mood that's kind of a different experience that I have right now. Hopefully it'll be short lived, but it, it's a challenge. It is a very big challenge. I don't think a lot of people realize just the burnout that you have. And I'm just talking as a, a cam model. So I'm not a full con contact sex worker in any way, shape or form. You know, I just do with my voice or, you know, with my image, but uh, also being a woman of color and a sex worker right now where there's been so much like heightened racial tension in our country. Yes. There's been weeks where I just don't want to get on cam because I don't want to have racial slurs thrown at me. So you have to really think about, um, you know, self care, but then at the same time you have to pay your rent. I love self care tips. I usually ask questions about this to all my guests. What are your tips? like your best tips for their self-care. The thing that keeps me the most sane is I try to have these really honest conversations with myself where I ask myself, you know, why are you doing the things you're doing or why are you continuing to have this intimate relationship with this person? 
And they're hard questions to ask yourself. And sometimes, you know, it's very emotionally draining. But I think at the end of the day, when I feel more confident in the decisions I'm making, because I've asked myself those questions, it gives me so much more confidence to do what I do. Self-honesty, that is so epic. It's and hard. Yes. (laughs) I love that tip. Can you tell the listeners what's next for you or what you're doing with your work right now? Um, Well, obviously, I'm working on After Dark. Um, We had a big transition. I used to co-host the show with Feminista Jones, but she's moved on. She's written this great book and she's going to go all over the world with it and to the moon, I'm sure. And I really want to help build up After Dark so it could be a place where people could get some sex education, learn about various sex positive subjects, not and talk about sex work, talk to sex workers. I'm actually going to start doing a lot more interviews. Uh, this week on After Dark, we're going to have Flash Brown on the show. He is a really very, um, very attractive performer. Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> saw the prize that you're giving away, too. Yes, we are giving away um, a, uh, a vibrating toy that's molded from his penis. It's 11 and a half inches long. I am actually trying to get back into writing more regularly on BlazingBitch.com because... Yes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing was, I was working so much with Twib, and then I was freelancing with so many people that I really... I just didn't have any time for myself, and I have kind of have, um, like, blogging blue balls at this point. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much stuff that I want to write for myself and just get out. Uh, because I've always said that I started writing my blog because I was a journalism major and I, on, on the other hand, it was, you know, being a sex worker and being a journalist, one of the things you have in common is like, it's, it's very much not about you. It's really about either the people you're writing about or the customers that you're, you're attending to or you're trying to give the best erotic experience that you can. So blogging for me was kind of a way to remind myself of who I am. Yeah. So I've gotten so far away from that and I always feel really bad. And my creative writing, which, you know, I love journalism. I love narrative journalism, but I also love creative writing. So there's a whole lot of projects that I put on the back burner that um, I want to give attention to. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to. I was thinking of doing a Patreon so I can do less freelance work so I'd have more time to either A, not be on cam and be writing. But we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to do. So I I used to do a lot more of the public speaking and going to conferences. And I kind of let that fall on the wayside so I could help or kind of develop my my role and my place and my voice at TWIB. Yeah. And I love the podcast. I just started listening to it because I had never heard of it before. And you told me that you had the podcast. And I love the dynamic of you and your new co-host. 
Well, he was always there. He just never talked. Oh, really? Never, oh, that's why you said in one of the podcasts that he's the one that makes you sound great and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he's the oh. audience. Oh, well, he has a lovely voice. I, I really liked it. I thought that both of you had very sexy voices. And... He's a handsome fellow. He's a very handsome fellow. Yeah. And, and um, it was very weird. Like, the first time we started After Dark, it was me, Lisa Jones, and Elon James White, yeah. who is just a doll of a human being. But I think um, he was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember what it was, but I, he was in the room when we were recording, and I just saw his face, and he just looked so, like, hurt. <laughs> I, oh, we were talking about a story. Um, a, a listener had a question, and um, basically she was saying that her husband was getting angry because she wasn't very interested with having sex with him, but she still liked to masturbate. And I, uh, you know, I I'm, will totally own up that I am not a mental professional or a doctor, but when you're masturbating, them are your orgasms, and nobody has, nobody can call dibs on your orgasm that you're giving yourself. And, and he just, I, I guess I said it in a very aggressive way. He just <laughs> looked like oh, the words. I, I used some colorful phrases. <laughs> I, I do use the word cunt liberally. I think that's because I, I have you know, West Indian background, and we say that word a lot. <laughs> That's like our F word. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I, he just seemed like, oh, my poor heart. But I think the dynamic that I have with Aaron is so awesome because, you know, off air, we're cool and we're friends. And he's on a lot of the other Twib shows, and he, he can't really talk about how much he likes buttholes <laughs> on a news show. But he could express himself on After Dark, and that's awesome. So, I love the I, dynamics. So the listeners can find you where? Um, well, I'm always on BlasianBitch.com, bitch with a Y. Um, you can listen to me Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twib.fm, or you can go to Listen.Twib.fm. And you can listen live. Um, you can also download the Twibularity app, which is on iTunes and Android. And you can get access to all the Twib shows. I'm also on We Nerd Hard on Tuesdays. And you can check out my writing. I'm actually working on a piece about um, nerd culture and uh, being a female, which is very different from the stuff I talk about on After Dark. But... It, it'll be kind of interesting, hopefully. I so. so enjoyed talking to you. I have three final questions. They're the final questions that I usually ask. Okay. Sex is? Good. <laughs> Actually, I always like to say um, I'm trying to move away from saying um, sex is innately positive because I don't think that the belief that sex is inherently bad can be countered by the belief that sex is inherently good. I think sex should be seen as like a neutral act and how you go about it and how you approach it should be what we focus on. So the experience can be positive and we can acknowledge that that's great, but we also can acknowledge that there are some negative sexual things. 
So I would say um, sex is water. It's where what you do with it. Water could be formed into anything. So if you put it in a positive vase, it'll be positive. If you put it into the negative vase, it'll be negative. So yeah, sex is water. My body just, it softened when you said <laughs> sex is water. I like that was so good. I love it. And I, oh. <laughs> well, because it makes sense. Because like you could, we need water to live. Yeah. Many but if you starve yourself or you say you don't want any water, that could make you very sick and it could impact you negative. And if you gorge yourself on water, that could also make you very sick. So I think it's finding that balance of um, this natural force. And I think that's going to make it very important. And that's how we could have a healthy relationship with sex, whether we're having it with ourselves or others. I so, like, can I hope you write a piece about that. Can you write about <laughs> that on Blazing Bitch? That is so juicy. Oh my God. And the next one, love is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, um, hmm. uh, I mean, I guess romantic love is a mystery. I, I think I'm somebody who very easily feels like amicable love with people um instantly loved my cat the moment <laughs> I saw him in the pet store so uh when I I think of love I think of uh when my goddaughter was born and she was this like little squirmy thing and she grabbed my finger with her little hand and I just felt this overwhelming emotion that I will want to take care of and protect this little thing for as long as I live. And I was like, okay, I think this is love. Yes. But romantic love, still haven't got that one coming. <laughs> I've been in a romantic relationship for almost 17 years, and it's always evolving, and sometimes a mystery, and sometimes, you know, I want to cut him. <laughs> so, yes, it is. Joy is. Um, hmm. Uh that's a tough one. I think there's so many things that bring me joy. I, I mean, it could be as simple as joy is finishing a task, <laughs> writing that paper, um, watching an episode of Naruto with my brother in silence and laughing at the jokes at the same time. It's just uh, uh, joy is feeling, um, I think it's the absence of uh, fear or the absence of uncertainty when you're just in a zone that you feel taken care of and you're not worrying about the ones you love or just uh, peacefulness. You make me all gushy and melty. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being on Sex Love Joy. Uh, I'm so happy to have you, and you have to give me a link so I can share it with everybody on After Dark. And you have to come be on After Dark. I would love to. Thanks for listening to Sex, Love, Joy. For more interviews like this one and my other work, please visit sexlovejoy.com. I hope that listening to today's guests talk about living their truths helps you in your quest to do the same. Remember, 
arriving ain't easy, but adding a little sex, love, joy to your day makes the living a whole lot juicier. Until next time.